Good morning. The, if you open your hymnals and if you'd like to stand, um, if you're able to stand or would like to stand to start our worship today, um, we're going to be starting with hymn 33, How Great Thou Art.
touch our hearts, our minds, and souls. Ask you to help us to concentrate and focus on you and upon our Lord Jesus Christ. Ask you to help us to have open hands, open hearts, and open minds, all the blessings that you desire to pour upon us. Father, we want to pray especially for Pastor Jason and Shelly this morning. Lord, they tell us that they're aching and hurting so bad they can't get out of bed. Just pray, Lord, that that will be short-lived, that it will be soon over, and they will not leave any lasting difficulties and relaxing hurt. We just pray for them, Lord, that they will, they will feel your presence this morning. And may love be your with them. And for Merlin and Kevin, others to help us with the services in our homes with COVID. Just pray, Lord, it will be short-lived, it will be over soon. Keep your hand upon them for good. There may be others, Lord, that we don't know about. Our heart goes out to all those who hurt, to all those who suffer. Not only among us, but to the ends of the world, as we hear about our brothers and sisters who live under threat of death and persecution imprisonment because of their faith. We rejoice <coughs> in their faith and the fact that they're strong and faithful and do not depart from you. But we ask you also to make a way for them and to use them to win others to Christ. May their faith spread. And we rejoice in hearing that there are those who do. Father, we As we continue worship, if you pull your hymnals out and you flip to 120, you'll keep your thumb there, and then you will keep, keep your place there, and you're going to flip back to hymn 90, Seek Ye First. We'll be doing a medley and singing Seek Ye First first, and then Jesus' name above all names.
memory where you where you first learn certain songs the next um, we're gonna do another medley as well you're gonna flip to hymn 352 for victory in Jesus and you're gonna keep your thumb there the number is 352 victory in Jesus so keep your thumb there and then you're going to 137 which is oh how I love Jesus so we'll do oh how I love Jesus just the first verse and then we will go right into 352 to the chorus and then we'll sing the full song Oh, 
you may now be seated. Like the scripture reading from the book of John, first chapter, very familiar one, I hope, to all of you. Should have had it marked. From John chapter 1, begin the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to just testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, the, through the, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a human's will, or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Beautiful statement about our Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, what he means to us, how he's with us. I thought this morning we might follow the custom that we've been doing in this church. It's uh, family day. And pastor often asks for testimonies. And I wonder if anybody would just like to say something about the relationship to the Lord. Maybe about how you came to know him in the first place. Or what he means to you today. Or something that's happened in your life. We'd be glad to hear about it. Nope. Mary, I'll be right there with the microphone. You know, we used to do this on Sunday nights a lot, Wednesday nights. It was always a beautiful part of the service. We kind of got away from it because everybody always had the same testimony. And amongst Nazarenes, it got to be kind of, well, I'm saved and I'm sanctified, thank God. And some pastors thought, well, I'm getting tired of that. We've got to do it. just what happened this week or just what happened this month. But I want to tell you a little story. A lady was being interviewed on radio. She wrote a book called Saturday Night in America. And they were asking her about that. And to write the book, she had gone someplace every Saturday night. And that was part of her book. Here's a Saturday night in America. And she went to all the expected places, you know. What's open on Saturday night? What's happening? Well, the bars are open, so she went to a bar. The casinos are open, so she went to a casino. You know, she went to all the places you expect a big crowd to be on Saturday night. She also went to some really unusual, unexpected places. The one I remember best was she uh, went to an uh, emergency hospital for, for pets and spent the whole night there watching the doctors work with pets. But when they asked her, what was your favorite of all those Saturday nights, she said, you know, she said, I was down in, I forget which state it was, it was either Kansas or Missouri. She said, there was a church that had lights on a Saturday night, and I went there. And she had what they, they, they had what they called a testimony meeting. And she said, most of the testimonies were kind of the same. People were talking about, well, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I know Jesus. But she you know, I was so touched by that. That was my favorite Saturday night of them all. I think testimonies carry a powerful testimony. I first received my first Bible when I was seven years old in the second grade class with a Gideon New Testament on my desk. 
and I get in, New Testament has Psalms and Proverbs in it besides the New Testament. And I started reading it at second grade, a chapter at a time. Mom and Dad would have public devotions, family devotions every morning, not counting Sunday. And then in the evening, especially when they got in school age, we would have our own devotions at night. And so I would read in the evening um, the New Testament, get down on my knees and pray. And that was my regular uh, time. And then at eight years old in church, uh, one Sunday night, I found the Lord as my Savior and Lord. And I have walked with him ever since. And the Lord has kept me out of a lot of problems and he's walked with me and talked with me and I've even gotten closer to him. And even talking with him during the day and the Lord is my closest friend. Praise the Lord. And he can be their closest friend for sure. Anyone else have something to say, like to share? Here we are, Carolyn. Yes, um, when I was, oh, after fifth grade, we moved into the city and lived with my grandma and grandpa. And our church, a church that uh, I used to like to go to church, but I could only go to church if someone asked me to go. So that was very, very few times. And when I lived with my grandma and grandpa, I went to their church and I met my best friend, Kathy, and um, she was the pastor's daughter. Um, she was 10 and I was 11 maybe, and her parents, at least her father was probably in his 70s, but he was a pastor of their church and that's where I started going and I went to camp, a holiness camp meeting with Kathy and we roomed together and I had a just a great time. I loved it. And in the evening service, you know, there was morning service, afternoon service, and evening service for a week. And um, at the evening service, um, we sang, it was the kids, the teens sang in the choir and uh, I got saved. And I remember that, and I was so excited that the next day, my dad came with all my brothers and sisters. And I was so excited that I ran and I got my sister, Carolyn, and we went down to the altar together. And it's so, it was a blessing. It was something that really stuck to us and, and was great. Um, I was first introduced, just like Mary, I was first introduced to my first New Testament was when um, my, uh, my first stepfather, one of his trips out of the prison, came home and gave me a New Testament, said, Anita, you will like this, because I read all the time. And I remember I started reading, and it was a New Testament, and I started reading the beginning of it trying to look for Noah's Ark story. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't find it, so. A good testimony. What a day when we're saved. A day I should never forget, the song says. Jordan's over here, yes. I'll meet you halfway. All right, that's appreciated. Sure. Um, God just put on my heart this morning, um, and, and a little ironic, different, you know, service. Um, just the testimony that I'm so thankful that we can just be here together and worship, um, sing songs, whether they're hymns or songs we normally sing. Um, they're they're worship to God, and then just to be here with uh, with our brothers and sisters. Um, it was just on my heart this morning, and I'm just thankful to be here and thankful to to worship together with everybody. Thank you. It's a good day in the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Okay, someone else like to share? Give us a story. Over here. Uh, 
here. Grab what you can. I don't normally walk on Sundays, but this Sunday I'll get my, my exercise in. I have a praise report for answered prayer. There's a, um, a man uh, painting his house, a cat corner across from ours, and um, I see him once in a while. He's the owner. He rents it out to some other people. And, um, uh, he, he flagged me that morning as I was coming home from bringing Lori, taking Lori to work, and, and he said, someone stole my ladder. He was really upset because he had borrowed it from a friend of his who was a contractor, and it's a big 100-foot ladder, and he um, needed it to finish painting his house. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. He was really upset and distraught, and I, I felt for the guy because I knew he didn't have enough money to go out and buy another one. And um, I don't know him all that well. I hardly ever see him, but I, it just kind of came out of my mouth. I don't know why I said it. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And he just kind of looked at me kind of funny, and I... I was walking my dog at the time, and so I took my dog, and I started praying for him. I prayed, God, you know, meet his needs. He's got a need. He's trying to finish painting his house. And, and it was about 15 minutes later, I came back from walking the dog, and he flagged me down again. And he said, you're not going to believe this. The guy across the street from me gave me a ladder. <laughs> it's a huge ladder so I can finish painting his house. And, and I said, see, I told you. I prayed for you. <laughs> so that was a quick answer prayer. <laughs> quick answer, great answer. It's wonderful to have those times. So we have had a lot of history of a uh, very unpleasant neighbor. And um, these neighbors um, were not just, they were listening to very loud music and very vulgar loud music or um, making loud noises or cursing really loud in the backyard to the point that I had to bring the boys inside and shut my windows for a few years. And um, we tried many times to go and talk to them calmly or say good morning, and um, Oliver went over once, and they, they said some very, very vulgar things to him um, one time because we parked in their parking spot down the road that the guy liked to park in. He came over and yelled at me and cursed me out at 11 p.m. at night while I held Levi when he was a baby. Like, it's, it's been a lot, a lot of things, and um, we... We prayed for them, but not, you know, not on a consistent basis. And we, um, last Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving before, this last one, this last one, this last um, fall, a year ago, um, we were talking to Oliver's parents, and I was talking to my mom, and we all just started collectively praying for them by name, by the ones we knew by name, and then just praying for them and just asking God to um, change their hearts and change our relationship with them, um, and. On Thanksgiving morning, here comes Mr. Trouble, walking on over, walks up to my husband and shakes his hand and says, I am so sorry for how I have acted. And this is after a couple months of no contact with them, like no, no waving. I was not allowed to walk to the car with the kids if they were outside because Oliver's like, I want there to be no confrontation in front of the kids. Um, walked up to Oliver and apologized and said, I'd like to be a better neighbor man and shook his hand. He's like, I'm really sorry about this. And since then, we have had such a good relationship with them. When our lawnmower broke, they came over and mowed our lawn without even asking. They just started mowing our lawn. Um, they say hi to us every time we come out. Um, that they've hung out, and every time Oliver's outside, they come over and say hi to him. And it's just, it's amazing how when we do, if we just turn to God in prayer, and sometimes we just sit there and go, prayer, you know, prayer, but we also need to do something. Like, yes, but we also need to go to prayer. We need to give it to God, and when we gave over to God, um, we saw real change, and that was a really big blessing for our household and the safety we felt, and we have a lot more peace about the situation. So we're really thankful for that. Now, I'm skeptical. Impossible situations like that just don't change. Oh, sorry, God, I forgot. You can do anything. <laughs> Thank you for that good testimony. Ashley, your testimony reminded me of a neat song. Uh, I like to have my devotions with uh, my hymnal, and sometimes that just leads me into worshiping. And I ran across this little, I really tried to find it here, but I, I couldn't quickly. This little, it looked like a chorus. It was, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. And so the other night I came in, I had to have Janelle play a song because I got frustrated because all I could rem remember was a chorus. Well, I walked in the church and Merlin was up there messing around in his guitar and I said, Merlin, will you play this song for me? I gotta figure it out. It's the neatest prayer 
and it's really neat, but it's a little tiny thing. He looked at it and he said, oh, that's a good one. And it was Lord Laysome's soul upon my heart. And, and it tells about how, and that, to, that you can love that soul through him. And years ago, we used to have prayer meetings at our house. And that's one of the things we did was we sang and prayed that song and prayed that God would actually make a big burden in our heart, that we would pray for that person. And it was fun. And then we decided that we'd each pick, not pick them out, because we'd choose people in our own groups or something, ask God to lay somebody on our heart. That was amazing what he did. And we could actually watch people changing. So Ashley, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Good testimony. It's amazing what, got, what our God can do. Well, anyone else? I saw a hand, but it was just a stretch. <laughs> okay. Yes, it's good. We remember the wonderful times we've had with God, wonderful things he's done in our life. Those things are memorable. Makes me think of the first prayer I ever had answered, the most important prayer I ever had answered, different things along the way. Anybody had a miracle in their life they'd like to tell about? Absolutely, you know, it just absolutely seems to be a miracle. It might be. Got one back there? Yes. I'm looking right at the big light up there. Almost missed you, Lord. Um, we have three dogs. Um, one of my dogs, Zoe, this was a year or two ago. Um, I ate a nectarine and I wrapped the pit in a paper towel and I left it on my desk in the office. Zoe's well known for eating paper. She loves to eat paper. So I ran back in there, but it was too late. She had already grabbed the paper towel with the nectarine pit in it. So like many of us, I got online right away and and found out that nectarine pits have cyanide in the center of them. So it's very important that the pit doesn't stay in there and also it can just get stuck. So we went to the vet, we got x-rays and they said, sure enough, there's a pit in there. So we took her to um, the 24-hour pet care and because they said that that place can get a basket, scoop it out of her stomach and retrieve it. So. We just went home and we prayed, and the um, we got a call because we had to leave her there because there were a lot of people waiting. And we got a call, and they said there's nothing in her stomach. And they did X-rays, and sure enough, <laughs> the pit was gone. Um, we have the side-by-side X-rays, the one with the pit in her stomach and the one that was gone. So just praise God for that. My neighbor, a year ago, was diagnosed with cancer. He had lost 40, 50 pounds, and hospice was coming out once a week, and uh, couldn't eat. And right before Easter Sunday, his neighbor came over and says, Brother, can I pray for you? I said, sure. This man prayed for him. The next day, my friend got up. He was so hungry, he hasn't stopped eating since. He's gained all his weight back, and he's cancer-free. Praise the Lord. And yes, it was, yes. Unbelievable. And also my, one of the girls that works right across from where I work, she, was, she had been working part-time at the schools, and she was having a hard time trying to decide whether to stay at the office where she was or go to the schools. And I kept telling her, you got to go to the school. She goes, yeah, but they only call me part-time and I need a full-time job. And she came over Wednesday, I think, I, and she was still debating. And, and she's old school, so she didn't want to leave the, her job and the, her boss without a, somebody there. And I said, you know what, I'm going to pray for you right now. And she left. And, a few minutes later, she comes back. She goes, I got a full-time job with the schools. <laughs> Look, those are miracles. Yeah. You know God is, God is in it. Yeah. Right. Anyone else? Quickie, my own, something that's just unbelievable, if, except you know God was involved. I was finishing up my last year at uh, seminary, and... Uh, coming at the end of it, well, into the fourth year. 
And I had developed a, a program at school where I could go to school mornings and then work afternoons and evenings. So I never was in the lunch hour. I'd maybe been in the lunch hour twice in, three, in four years. And this one day, I had to meet the, somebody at school for some reason, so I stopped for lunch at the lunch room. Looked around to see if anybody I knew had an open space. Nobody did. All my friends had full tables. Spotted one guy I'd never seen before, and he was by himself. So I went over and sat down with him. And we got to chatting, and I tried to tell him a fun, what I thought was a funny story. When I first started that school, I had been told that they had extended the, the GI Bill for a year, and I'd gone through four years of college in the GI Bill. Uh, it didn't pay, your, didn't pay your whole living, but it meant I could work part-time and still go through school and raise the family and all that. And so I was real happy, happy to hear that they had extended an, a year. So I checked with the VA about it, and they said, oh no, it, it's just that you've got, they gave an extra year for people that hadn't signed up yet. They get an extra year to sign up, they didn't get an extra year of benefits, okay. I was told again by this one source I had, oh no, they said, you need to recheck that. So I rechecked it twice, every time got the same story. So I found out this guy was the VA is why I was telling the story. I'm telling the guy, the VA, that my story, and I thought he'd laugh about it and say, yeah, you were really fool, weren't you? He looked at me and he says, no. No, he said they did give an extra year for you if you signed up for it. He said, but today is the last day to sign up for it. You couldn't possibly get signed up for it now. Well, maybe I should try. Maybe you could get at least part of the year. So he raced me up to the office and he got on the phone and he talked a mile a minute to somebody. He kept looking at his watch because he had another appointment. And he turned to me and said, they're going to give you two, two, uh, two semesters of it. Not all three, but you're going to get two. I got a check for $3,000. Paid off all my school bills. Paid a, bought a bunch of books I wanted for my ministry. And actually, they were to buy a really nice piano for my wife at an unbelievably low price. <laughs> now, the, you just think of the odds of that. The third time I'd been at lunch in three years, and the VA guy there, he knows he's talking about, and while he's looking at his watch, he takes the time. That kind of thing has got to be of God, and you're just so grateful for things God does in your life. Okay, somebody else. Yes, Bill. We just heard from uh, Esther, by the way. Thank you, Esther, for that beautiful story you told. Pardon? Thank you, Chad. Um, I, I'm sorry I wasn't hearing everything, so I'm assuming this was a general call for testimony. Uh, so I'd, I certainly want to, to thank the Lord for bringing me out of the hospital uh, a little unexpectedly. Uh, I had a, my fourth fall, and uh, my, the back of my head took the brunt of, of the fall from a standing fall. So they put me in the hospital. It affected my speech some. So they tell me that I've got, uh, my, my brain is bleeding three different places, the back, the, one of the sides, and the front. And, uh, uh, but they couldn't decide whether to operate or monitor. So since it was, they wanted to monitor, I begged them, let me go home, please. And so they let me go home and, 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 and so far uh, things are pretty good, uh, it looks like to me. So I want to thank the uh, brothers and sisters for prayer. And I want to thank uh, the Lord Jesus for tending to me and, uh, and teaching me along the way. And thank you, Chad. Well, thank you, Bill, for sharing. Had some good reports about God working people's lives, doing great things for us. All right. Well, Pastor called me at uh, about 8 o'clock this morning, couldn't hardly talk, asked if I'd do something. 
I said, well, I'm sure the Lord would help us out with this, and he's been helping us out with this wonderfully. <laughs> I do want to turn to Scripture. I love the Bible. I love Scripture. First thought that went in my mind was, what's, what's a favorite passage? I've got so many favorite passages that I guess they cover the Bible, really. Uh, you know, I just want to encourage Bible reading. It's a conversation with God. You ought to, you ought to talk with God every morning. And you ought to let God talk to you every morning, and most of what he talks to us comes from the Bible. One of my favorite verses, a very short one from Jeremiah, says, basically, Lord, when your word came to me, I ate it up. And from it, I got joy and contentment. And, and that's the way I feel about it. The Bible always speaks to you. It... Uh, I think one of the, for me, one of the wonderful things about reading the Bible is I get such joy out of reading something God says and discovering I agree with it. And I think the power of the whole universe, the one that knows everything, he can say something I agree with, that's a miracle that I can understand something God's saying. I opened my mouth the other day. I don't know whether he brought it up. Yeah, oh, pastor asked this Wednesday night, well, what have you been doing this week? And I said, trying to understand... Uh, Quantum theory. <laughs> well, I, I've been working at that, and I discovered I can't understand it. <laughs> it's beyond understanding. And the guy that was trying to, was, that I was reading said, you'll never understand this until you know this kind of math, and it was math I'd never heard of. So, But I can open the Bible, and God speaks at my level. He tells me things, and my heart agrees with him, and my heart just soars when that happens. Well, there's a lot of favorite passage I thought about uh, Genesis 1, uh, Isaiah 6, which speaks to my heart because it talks about God's call in your life and his provisions to make you ready for that call. Uh, first chapter of John, I read a passage from it. Uh, I was reading my devotions this morning, 13th chapter of Matthew. Jesus is reminding us that he is coming again and that we need to be alert and ready for him. Talked about his announcing to his disciples at the Last Supper that someone was going to betray him. And everybody's saying, was it me? Was it me? I think about Judas. He must have just been shocked to death that Jesus knew his secret. It's a reminder that there are no secrets from God, are there? There are no secrets from God. A lot of people would be terribly shocked if they realized that God, if they really understood that God knows all those secrets that they think they get hidden in their hearts, could talk about that. I went over to Galatians, first chapter, second chapter. Very powerful passage that reminds us that we are not under law, we are under grace. And I don't think, I would like to preach an F someday because I don't think most Christians really understand that sin is not breaking the law. The law has no power over us. The law has nothing to do with us anymore. We are not under the law. We're not responsible to the law. We are not, we're not held to account for whether we keep the commandments or not. What we are responsible for is are we faithful to Jesus? Now, of course, if we're faithful to Jesus, we'll be keeping the law. There's no doubt about that. And the law is important because it tells us the kind of person Jesus is. But... The important thing is, are we faithful, loyal to Jesus? C.S. Lewis says the greatest sin that can be committed, if you, can, if you actually want to, God, God sees all sins alike because they're all attacks on him, every one of them. But in terms of our side of it, the greatest sin that can be committed is to be unfaithful to somebody who loves you. Think about that. The greatest sin we can commit in this world is to be unfaithful to somebody who loves you. Jesus loved us. If we're unfaithful to him, that's the greatest sin there is. And that's what we're accountable for. Do we love him? Do we walk with him? Do we obey him? Well, there's a sermon on that. What I finally decided to do is go to one of my favorite New Testament books, Colossians. And I'll just refer to the first chapter. first chapter of Colossians brings three tremendous things to our attention. One is redemption through faith in Jesus Christ. 
One is reconciliation with God because we are in Christ. And one is, God, give me a think. I, I drop words now. Uh, did I put a note in my pocket someplace? Let me check. I think I wrote the word down because I knew I was going to forget it. Uh, um, 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 relinquishment to God. That, but that word's not in the Bible. So redemption, reconciliation, re relinquishment. Thirteenth verse says, Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Calls our attention to Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross. You know, Jesus is a very, is a totally unique person in the history of this world. He was a man, fully a man, as much a man as you or I, yet he never sinned. He was also fully God, as much as God as the Father is. He was the God-man. And because of that, he was able to bring us the privilege and gift of forgiveness of sins. Because he was a man, he could be selected as the representative of all mankind. You know, sometimes we do that, we take, we, well, we do that in politics. We send somebody over to uh, France as a, an ambassador. He represents the United States and he gets to, you know, he's there for them to say, you are the U.S. to us. Jesus, because he was a man, could be selected as a representative of all of us, and he could be, be that because he had never sinned. So he could take all of our sins upon him as a representative, as one who had not himself sinned, a representative appointed by God, he now stands before God with all responsible for all of our sins. And because he's a man, he can be an adequate sacrifice, a man who never sinned. He can be the sacrifice that was needed in order for a just God who has to punish sin, who has to destroy sin, who has to eventually do away with all evil because of who he is. He could put all that on Jesus, and Jesus could be the sacrifice. But because Jesus was also fully God, one with God, he, that means that God has a part in that, and there's a connection between the two. The sacrifice and the, and the holy God come together at that point on the cross. And at that point on the cross, where a man is, who has ne never sinned has taken the sins of the world upon himself as a representative, and God, who is against all sin, can meet with that man, accept that sacrifice, and then because he is God, bring it through his spirit to all men. We can be forgiven of our sins. That is a tremendous moment in life when your sins are washed away, when you're no longer standing before God who is wrathful against what you've been doing, the way you've been living, and are now faced with a God who has made this tremendous sacrifice of his own son and allowed him to be, take our sins to offer us forgiveness. That's the biggest thing in a Christian, in a person's life, when that happens. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians want to stop right there. They don't know that there is so much more than just being said, okay, you're forgiven, here's a ticket to heaven. I've, t I've heard people talk that way. Well, I've got my ticket to heaven, that's all that matters to me. There's so much more to that. And it's, and. People who do not go on to reconciliation are leaving a whole lot out of their lives. 21st verse says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Wow. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. In other words, there is now a connection between us and God, a connection in which God loves us 
and is able to bless us because there is no sin now standing in his way, a, a connection in which we are friends with the creator of the universe and are at home with him, comfortable in his presence, enjoying his presence. And he, here, here's a verse in the Bible that has always just blown me away. God delights in his people. God delights in me. After the way I boggled that job I was trying to do a couple days ago and messed it all up, he still delights in me. That, that to me is so precious. God delights in us as we walk with him, as we are one with him. Reconciliation is coming together. I, I like the uh, Italian word, simpatico. To me that just means two people who are so close, so tight, that they're absolutely at ease and friendly and agreeable with each other. Two people who think alike, are alike, want to be together always. And that's the way it is between the, the reconciled person and God. You are in that relationship with him, tight, fully agreeable with him. He's fully happy with you. He's delighting in you, you're delighting in him, and the two of you are just together. And that makes for a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful life. And then the final, finest one, and I've already lost the word again. I probably shouldn't use that word. But I'm going to look it up once more. Rel relinquishment. Relinquish. Relinquishing our whole life to God is what I was trying to get at here. Paul says, we, meaning himself and the other apostles, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ, to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. <laughs> Notice that about Paul. Paul says, why am I doing this? Why am I spending all this time preaching? Why have I gone to all of this trouble? Why have I had to suffer so much? Why, was I, why did I put up a shipwreck? Why did I put up with people trying to kill me? Why did I, why did I do all this? If you ask me a question, what would you say? Well, Paul, the reason he did that was... Preach, to preach the gospel. That's not what Paul says. He says, I did all that. So when the end came, I would have a bunch of people I could bring to God and say, look, God, I brought my perfect people with you. You know, I've been saying to people lately, Jesus did not die on the cross just to expand the population of heaven. And Paul is saying, I did not die on the cross just to try to make heaven a larger place. He died on the cross so he could produce a kind of a people that he calls perfect people. Now that, of course, is a scare word. It's a real scare word. Why? Well, God, God's Bible means something with the word perfect that you never hear about or very few people even think about. A bunch of men put a different thing on the word perfect, and that's a scary one. What do men think of when they think of perfect? What do you think when you think of perfect? You probably think of the way the world does. Oh, perfect, that means you're never going to make a mistake. Everything is flawless. Nothing, you did it and nobody could have done it better. You just never forgot a promise. You just never messed up. You just never failed in anything. That's what the world decides the word perfect means. But in God's idea, to be perfect means that you're just together with him. If you have received his son, Jesus Christ, your Savior, God says, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want you to do. If, if you pray and ask his presence, his blessings, God's saying, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want you to do. With God, perfection is not performance. And that's what everybody thinks about. They think of performance. It's how I acted, what I did, what I, wow, I would, I would hate to be judged on performance. I have messed up so many times in my life. I've gotten so many things wrong. I've made some terrible mistakes. But through them all, God and I have been together. Oh, he chides me for it sometimes, yes. But God is not looking at our performance. He knows, the Bible says, he knows we are dust. Jesus said, God never 
throws away a broken, a bruised reed. You know, reeds were used in those days for a walking stick. And if you got a kink in it, it wasn't any good anymore. Every time you took it, it would bend, you know. You ever had a kink toes? You try to use it and the kink keeps messing it up and you can't, yeah. It, uh, he says, he won't put out a smoldering wick. If there's any life in you, God doesn't come down and put it out. He works with that. And I like to say, if you know something Jesus wants you to do, and you're willing to do it, God says, that's perfect. That's what I wanted from you. we got to be careful we don't try to judge ourselves by whether or not we really did a great performance. I'm not going to go home today and say, well, Lord, did I do a good sermon? I'm just going to say what I'm thinking here. <laughs> Take it as it was. But God put it on my heart. Help the pastor out. Go there and try to do something. And I think it's gone really wonderfully so far, except maybe up to five minutes ago. <laughs> but that's the point. Paul invested his whole life in wanting to bring a people who were close to God, who knew God, were close to God, would walk with God, were willing to do God's will. And then, of course, God does something wonderful for us. He comes into our hearts, and he makes us willing to do his will, and he makes us able to do his will. But the point is, you got a choice most of the time with God. You say yes or you say no. God lays it on your heart to pray. You say yes, Lord, or you say no, I don't want to. If you say yes, Lord, that's perfect. That's the kind of people God is, is trying to produce in this world. Paul is saying, I didn't want to just get people forgiven. I wanted to bring them into full reconciliation with God and I wanted to give them a fully relinquished life in which they and God would be like that. And that is where we need to be. And don't kick yourself if you're not there. Just keep looking to God. You'll get there. Well, that's about all I have to say about that. Thank you for coming today. I trust that God has touched your hearts and blessed us in some ways. It's been marvelous. He's uh, testimonies we heard. People haven't had an opportunity to share with us and test. Want to keep praying for Pastor and Shelley and for the Sherbons that have uh, the COVID and for anybody else and everybody else you know. Because as we've been hearing, God does answer prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you.